Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for busy parents building profitable businesses. If we haven't met yet, I'm Meg Brunson, and we are about to simplify business and marketing strategies because balance was never about spending equal time between your business and your family. Nope. You want to spend previously unimagined amounts of time making memories with your kids. And the only way that's going to happen is if we get your marketing under control. I want to take a minute to acknowledge that Black Lives Matter, that love is love, and that inclusivity is essential for success. So I welcome all colors, genders, and cultures to join us for today's episode. Today's guest helps kids with intellectual disabilities build inclusive lives at home, at school, and in the community. She is the founder and host of the Good Things in Life for Kids with Disabilities podcast and manages a community of parents of children with disabilities. Having a younger sister and son with disabilities and medical complexities led her to a lifetime of training in the disability field under premier thought leaders and mentors. With more than 20,000 downloads, her podcast now gives other parents access to her world-class disability parenting education, complete with courses and membership. I'm excited to introduce you to Genia Steven. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really glad to be here. Oh, I am excited to have you too. Do you consider yourself a marketer? No. <laughs> I did not think so. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, so my background, in addition to what you just explained, um, is that I am a midwife in Ontario, Canada, where midwifery is embedded into the you know routine healthcare system. So I consider myself a healthcare provider. I consider myself an educator and a parent, and um, all of the aspects of marketing, promoting, building a business, entrepreneurship, completely new realms for me and uh, not re- not my identity for sure. And I thought that was going to be your answer. And, you know, as a marketer, and I love marketers, but I also love having non-marketers join me to talk about how you're making marketing moves in your business, mm-hmm. even though it's not your your wheelhouse. And it wasn't my wheelhouse when I started either. I was a criminal justice major. I've talked about that a little bit before, Uh, but I took a kind of a crazy turn in my path too. So I love that we're going to hear like a non-marketers perspective. And I think it's going to be really valuable to all the other non-marketers who are listening and potentially thinking about new content creation, you know, paths or specifically adding a podcast. So can you start by sharing a little bit about your thought process, you know, why you decided to start a podcast? Yeah. So I, one of my goals, as you alluded to, was to bring the voices um, and ideas and opportunities within the disability leadership community 
to other parents. So as a midwife, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, supporting hundreds of, well, more than a thousand families over the course of my career. And many people would either get, you know, would get a diagnosis at some point, sometimes long after they had been in my care, or, you know, during prenatal testing, they might have, you know, the possibility of a diagnosis. And so there were lots of opportunities to talk with families at the beginning of their parenting journey about what it meant to parent a child with a disability, how one might see disability. And it just felt really the gap between where I started my parenting community or my parenting journey and where they were starting was just so wide, you know, and the reason that that big gulf was there was because I had grown up in a disability positive community. When my mom was starting her parenting journey, when my sister was first diagnosed, she had a very different experience. You know, she'd never met anybody with a disability. She'd never spoken to anybody who could help her think about um, disability within the context of community and building a good life. And not a lot has changed for most parents, you know, in the 40, more than 40 years since my, my mom was, um, you know, just beginning. And so it, it just felt like the place I needed to show up, you know, was, was, figuring out how to meet parents where they are and to provide them with access to the opportunities that I had had. And so a podcast is a really obvious choice when choosing, you know, what kind of platform or medium one might use to get their message out because I wanted to be having conversations and sharing ideas. And so, you know, a podcast is an obvious place to to start with that. Now, once you made that decision... Did you feel overwhelmed by like the tech or what obstacles were there obstacles that almost prevented you from, from starting? Yeah. That well, I think it wasn't so much from starting. It wasn't so much from starting. It was, it was the obstacles and, and challenges were really, they slowed me down and they kept me from being consistent. So one of the first things that I did was take a course with Pat Flynn, uh, Power Up Podcasting. And so that program, and there there are others as well, walks you through all of the basic steps of starting a podcast. And that was tremendously helpful because I had no idea how to do any of it. And so I was able to sort of put the pieces together around, you know, basic tech choices. You know, what kind of microphone do you need? I'm not using it today, but what kind of, you know, what's a good microphone? What kind of platform do you need? And what are the basics of getting, you know, things like show notes out and, you know, that kind of thing. So I had all of that in place, but I listened to all kinds of podcasts and some of them are really sophisticated, you know, in in their editing, um, in their sound quality, in the music, in their intros and outros. And there's all kinds of really lovely editing that goes on to make it, you know, a really refined and sophisticated experience. And I started there with my sort of expectation that that was where I needed to start. And part of that was because people with disabilities in our society are so devalued and I didn't want to kind of have a crappy user experience that then reflected on, you know, on, on the people that I was talking about and with. So that was like a a big challenge for me and I just couldn't keep it up. You know, I didn't have the, 
um, financial resources to hire it out. I didn't have the personal experience or time to make it, um, you know, make it that high end. And so slowly over time, I started just taking layers out, layers of complication out. And while maybe over time I might want to layer those back in, what I found is that it didn't actually deter from the quality of the podcast because the podcast, the the purpose of the podcast and why people show up is to hear ideas and participate secondhand in conversations with people about issues that matter and concepts that matter. And so that is not complicated, you know, from a tech or production perspective. And that's been tremendously freeing for me and work. Um, I haven't always been able to be perfectly consistent. We're just, I'm just over two years in and we're um, almost, I think in two weeks or something, we'll be publishing our 100th episode. So I've missed times here and there. And I, I do think consistency is key, but it's kind of like a diet. You know, if you binge one day, um, the point is just to not say, okay, well, I'm no longer going to try to eat healthy because I didn't once, right? The point is to say, okay, well, I'm going to make a different choice and move on and keep going as, as you move forward. Not that I'm trying to promote diet culture. I'm totally not, but, um, but, um, you know, consistency is important. Showing up for people is important, but it's, but there's definitely some flexibility there and all is not lost if you can't show up, you know, if you, if you can't show up consistently every week, you know, I'm recording this in a family meeting room off the waiting room of the intensive care unit where my sister has been living for the last three months. And I've been living with her mostly full time here as well. And when she was first, when she first got sick and was admitted, in addition to the, um, you know, the, just the strain of that, the stress and strain of that, I couldn't really figure out how to make the podcast continue to work in the hospital. And I, you know, it's not like I had months of material batched in advance. That's still a goal of mine, not something I've achieved yet. So I had to take a break. And when I came back, I came back with a, you know, 2020, this behind the scenes, this is what's been happening in my life um, episode. And, you know, and I'm getting tons of response to that, you know, and, and people I think appreciate and can relate to the human on the other side of that podcast. And uh, so that it doesn't, it just doesn't, it's, it's not um, the end of the world, I guess is all I'm saying. Yeah. And I have been through similar things when we first launched and we were just talking a little bit before we hit record, but when we first launched um, in our RV, we've been RVing 18 months and I thought I was going to be superwoman, but there were a lot of issues in those first couple mm-hmm. weeks or couple months of full-time RV living. And I just dropped the podcast. And then it was like my mic. I took the same course with Pat Flynn. Now I'm wondering if that's where we, if we connected in there. <laughs> we've connected for a long, a long time, but yes, yeah. I had like the mic and all the things he, he recommended, but I couldn't make it work in the RV. And it all discouraged me like you from showing up, mm-hmm. but, but you can always come back. So it's, I love that yeah. you pointed out that that's not, you know, a killer um, that you talked about being just honest and upfront with your audience. Those are also values that I believe in people are people and 
your audience kind of expects that. Now, I'd mm-hmm. like to talk about... So you started with all the fancy stuff, which I can relate yeah. to. Once you started peeling things back, what would you say would be like the the basic necessities for somebody who wanted to get started right now? But like, we don't want to put them into that same trap of trying right. to, to create this super produced thing. So what are the basics? Right. Um, so the basics are you need to have some sort of audio device. So both you and I are using just regular old phone headphones right now. And the quality of this is not going to be as smooth as it would be when we were using, you know, our, our fancy mics. So, uh, and that's, that's okay, but you do want to test your microphone to make sure that at the very least listening to whatever you're recording is not like a noxious experience, right? So, you know, it's not really tinny with super high notes and super low notes. And that might be the difference between picking up a pair of dollar store headphones and picking up just a slightly, you know, maybe a $40 set of, of phone headphones. So, but you want to make sure that there's some, um, that it's not uncomfortable to listen to your sound. You need a place to record it. Both you and I use Zoom. Um, Zoom from a, again, from a sophisticated podcaster's perspective is not the uh, ideal platform because again, the audio is not going to be perfect, but, but it's definitely good enough. And there are lots of other options, um, lots of other options that people can choose as far as how they're going to record their, their audio for their podcast. You need a place to host it. And this is probably one of the more important choices for convenience and success. So you can just publish audio files on your website, for example, and some of the podcast hosting platforms will even provide you with a website page where, you know, where people can come and listen to all of your podcast episodes. But really the beauty of podcast podcasts is that people can listen on their phones while they're doing other things. And so you want to choose a podcast hosting platform that can automatically, automagically, without you having to go in and manually do all of this, send your podcast to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and iHeartRadio and Google Play. And, you know, there's there's lots of them. And most podcast hosting platforms are going to do that for you. So this is not something you're going to have to go searching for necessarily, um, but you want to choose one. You, you definitely want one. You don't want to sort of host it yourself and then require that people either have access to Wi-Fi or be consuming data um, or have a good, strong data signal in order to be able to listen to your podcast. And then other than that, I would say in a slightly bumped up version of that, you want to have a way of talking about your podcast. So putting it on and out into the podcast platforms like as i was saying like spotify and google play and apple podcasts for example people might find you but if you're just getting started you're doing your audience a great service by letting them know that it's there because otherwise it's unlikely that very many people are going to find out about your podcast and then we get really more into your wheelhouse which is the marketing piece um but the thing i can say about about the marketing piece is that that also doesn't have to be overly complicated. So you can write one piece of content about your podcast episode 
And then you can repurpose that for the description that shows up on um, the person's podcast uh, feed. The um, description that will show up if you type in the URL for your podcast post on your website, your Facebook posts, your Instagram posts, your Twitter posts, your LinkedIn posts, and the um, show notes that show up on your website and the email that you send to your email list if you have an email list. So I've tried all kinds of different variations on this and what worked best for me for me was to write the email to my list because when I sit down to write that email I feel like I'm talking to a person you know I kind of have a sense of who the humans are on the other side of that email and I feel like I can come at it from you know writing to a a friend um, writing to you know we talk about our ideal um, client avatar um, customer avatar like who's the person I feel like I know who I'm talking to I know the parent of the child with an intellectual disability and you know what their life is like and um, their struggles and their feelings so when I sit down to write that email I feel like I'm kind of really tuned into that I don't feel that when I'm writing Facebook posts in fact I find it quite almost like a disembodied experience and hopefully over the years I'll get better at that but right now I don't so I I've what's worked well is writing that email and then using that really kind of authentic from my heart email that I send out to my list about the podcast episode and then using that to repurpose for show notes and descriptions and social posts um and now I've moved towards getting some help with that um which is also an option if you can afford it. And as long as you have provided enough of your voice in previously, people can kind of take that and roll with it. And one of the things I've kind of gone through several people that have helped, tried to help me with this. One of the things that I've noticed is that that too doesn't matter that much. You know, like if they're, if the, you're getting a podcast email or description or show notes and it's not perfectly in your voice or the heart of the matter isn't perfectly portrayed. Um, That's not ideal, but it's still not the end of the world, particularly for podcasts. People are, people want the conversation and they get that in the podcast and really all the rest of it is mostly just tweaking them to the fact that there's a new episode. This is what it's about. And here's how you can access it. So I found that the relationship building with podcasting is really about that podcast. You know, it's really about when you sit down to either record a solo episode or it's about the conversation that you have with your podcast guest. And the rest is less powerful as far as the relationship building with your audience, building that know, like, and trust and delivering the true value that you're trying to deliver in your podcast. I love that you brought that up. I will tell you that over the past couple of years, I have tried all the things. We've done transcripts. We've done detailed show notes that are written like a blog post, you know, 300 plus words. Um, we've done detailed bullets with timestamps. And if you look at my show notes now, it's very simple. It is three bullets, what you're going to learn when you listen. Um, we were spending so much time doing all of those other things. Now, let me backtrack. The transcript... I still think we should have for inclusivity purposes. Totally. Um, yeah. I 
And that's I didn't an talk area about where, transcripts, but I would love to talk about them. Yeah, <laughs> that's an area where mm-hmm. I am falling flat still. Is I don't I, I don't have the transcripts yet, but it's on a, our 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 plan. Um, but I stopped either doing it myself and or investing in a VA to give those detailed show notes because the, it just wasn't getting the traffic. People weren't spending the time. Mm-hmm. You know, when you looked at the analytics, um, people wanted just this. So I've really tried mm-hmm. to simplify that. And I'm glad you brought yeah. that up because that's another area where I spent a lot of time thinking mm-hmm. that I needed a proper blog post or something like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're not the New York Times and we don't have to be. Um, and the, the tr- I, I want to, I wish that I had talked about transcripts that I brought them out up because I, I actually think that that's like kind of a human rights issue right around your, around your content. So, um, but transcripts are, transcripts are actually super easy as well. So one of the things that I've found is that there are some people in my audience, um, who, you know, can't hear, and there are other people in my audience who just don't have time, but they want, they will skim through the transcripts and stop for the the meaty bits of the transcripts. And you can do that really simply as well. So there's, there's lots of free options around creating transcripts, one of which is otter.io, which is an app. I think I'm pretty sure it's a desktop um, application as well. And you basically play your audio and it transcribes it for you. So I don't, I find that um, a challenge because I don't want to have to replay my audio to get Otter to do it. I have access to other software that will do that for me and, um, you know, works and is also free to me as part of something I, something else I subscribe to. My point is just, you don't have to make transcripts particularly complicated or expensive. Um, and the cleanup of transcripts is something that you can spend a lot of time and money on, or you can go in and look for stuff that just doesn't make any sense and then fix the stuff that doesn't make any sense and let the rest go. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a perfectly legitimate place to start. Now with Otter, can you like set it up and leave it? So like if my, if this podcast was an hour, could I like set it up on my bed or whatever and then walk out of the room and do something else and just let it? Yes, exactly. So you could set it up. I mean, you live in an RV, so there's probably not a lot of space for this, but for those of us who, who live in houses and have more than one room, you could set it up to autoplay while you sleep and Otter will just create the transcript for you. So it can be done. Um, it can be done really simply and lots of the um, um, podcast hosting platforms have an option it's it's almost always a, a paid upgrade but to, for creating transcripts as well there's lots of ways of, of getting to it it's definitely worth doing for your podcast and um, and it doesn't have to be too complicated again it doesn't have to be perfect and I did want to ask you just out of curiosity what are you using to host? Um, your podcast? Because I feel like that is... The, the mm-hmm. headphones are a one-time expense. You know, you may already have them. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to mention about that is I hate yeah. AirPods. The, I found awful audio with AirPods. So use the cord. Um, but, but other than that, the, that's a one-time expense. Zoom can be done free as long as you don't have a group. Um, but then that hosting is a regular expense. So what are you, what have mm-hmm. you found works best for you? 
So I have been using Libsyn, um, which is reliable. It's well-known. You know, it's well-proven. It's reasonably priced. I'm actually going to be moving, I think, to Castos. And the reason I'm going to be moving to Castos is because they offer... I think it was something like 10 or $15 more per year. They offer all of the same things as Libsyn, but they also offer a widget that I can put on my WordPress website so that instead of going to Libsyn, uploading my, um, you know, uploading my audio, uploading my details, my descriptions, and then getting an embed code and then going to WordPress and, um, putting the embed code into my post for that podcast. Uh, Castos actually with this widget, when you open up your post, the widget is there, you upload the audio into your description and it automatically pops your audio player at the top of your post. So for me, just cutting out the step of having to go to Libsyn and then go back to my WordPress site and upload it was worth the additional 10 or $15 American um, a, a year. So, um, so that's, I, I haven't done it yet. I'm, I need to fix up my website a little bit. So I'm, my plan is to do that, to, to switch to Castos. Um, I'm a little nervous about it because change is always hard and scary, especially when it comes to tech, but, um, the, uh, that's the plan. And I started with Libsyn for, for my podcast as well. And I've been happy there. I did launch a couple other little podcast endeavors with Buzz, Buzz Sprout, which yeah. I felt like that was cost. The cost was similar. And I liked their little, um, they had like little mo- motivational posts. Like you got your first hundred downloads or you know, whatever, a little like yeah, yeah. celebration posts. So I did like that. I was just curious what you were using. And I'll put those links in the show notes too. I know for Libsyn, it depends upon how much, um, data you're mm-hmm. using, I think, or how many minutes. Yeah. How but many minutes, I think, yeah. They have plans that start at $5 a month. They do. And you can, and there are some free options as well. Although the free options for, there's, you can do almost everything for free, but not everything. And the free, my understanding of the free platform hosting, like podcast hosting platforms, is that they do have some fairly significant limitations. And while it's not a big deal to export your podcast to another podcast host, I think it's worth spending a few minutes deciding what's really going to work well for you. And then there's also a piece around the podcast hosting I don't know if this is actually true or not, but I suspect there's at least some truth to it, um, which is we, um, you know, we show up where we pay to show up. And so if we sort of made this financial investment, when things get, you know, challenging with podcasting, you know, we may be slightly less inclined to just let it go fallow. Um, if we are, We've just invested in the beginning. And I I think the, I mean, maybe there are some people who are listening here who are interested in starting a podcast that will not benefit anybody. But I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that the vast majority of people who are considering a podcast or content creation on any platform uh, or any type of medium or media are want to do that because they have a message that people need to hear. People are are looking for the solution that you are providing. And so when you're thinking about starting a podcast, I think it's I think it's worth it to to invest 
and decide that you you are going to commit to showing up in this way. Now, if you start podcasting and you absolutely actually hate it, then I would say find a different way because I'm not suggesting that people sign up and commit and and continue to suffer through something that they really hate doing. Um, but but the challenges the inevitable challenges of content production, if that's where people are getting kind of held up, I would say just simplify, um, simplify and keep getting your message out there and invest in some tools, some, some inexpensive tools in the beginning, but invest in them so that when your experience is more streamlined, you're not kind of hacking a bunch of free tools together. And two, you feel a sense of um, commitment to, sharing what it is that you have to offer. And I think along the same lines, you know, we talked about marketing a little bit. We touched on it before, like marketing your podcast, but you also need to look at it from the perspective that your podcast is marketing your business. It's marketing. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you'll spend, there are free blogging options and we could get into all that too, but there's reasons why we pay for wordpress.org or, you know, whatever, wherever you're, you're, website is hosted. And I think the same is true for the podcast. That's a marketing expense Mm -hmm. that we make because the podcast should be driving traffic, you know, not to make everything about Mm -hmm. marketing, but driving traffic to your, to you, to your business, to your offers. It should be a tool that moves your business forward by providing that support, that guidance and that information. So then it's like investing $5 a month it's an investment in your business. That's right. That's right. I, I, I totally agree. And I think one of the things that's beautiful about podcasting is that you, um, you're not just driving traffic, you're building relationships. So I get emails fairly frequently from people who feel like they know me. Like they will talk to me about things that are happening in my life that I've talked about in the podcast. And I'm a pretty private person. So I'll share significant things about my life, but I'm not necessarily out there kind of bleeding all over the place. Like that's, that's not my, not my style, but people know things about me and they feel connected to me. And when people are then go and, and I'm building authority I'm building my authority. Um, mm-hmm. So when people are looking for the solutions that I have, they're not uncomfortable coming to me and talking to me about taking my course or joining my membership or having me do professional development in a school, for example. They already feel like they can trust me with their vulnerability or their team's vulnerability. They already know that I'm not going to be, you know, super judgy about where they're at along their journey, you know? And so that relationship building piece to me is, it's almost more powerful than the audience building or the traffic building, because you can have a ton of people, like a ton of traffic and a ton of eyes on um, and, a, and a massive audience on social media, for example. Um, but there, it's not, you're not necessarily building the depth of relationship that's possible when people are hearing you, you know, for 20 minutes to an hour and a half every week and they're, they're hearing these conversations that you're having. So that's been a really powerful driver in my business. Yeah. And also just the, guest to host 
relationships. Yeah. So I've gotten on phone calls with people that I would never be able to get on phone calls with. You know, like there, mm-hmm. there are people that like, I don't even know if money would, would get me a phone call with some people. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not an option. But when you've got the platform, you're putting yourself in a position of authority and, and a position of power and you're able to just have conversations with amazing, amazing people, whether it's SEO or not SEOs, CEOs of companies yeah. or just, or other, other people going through the same thing that you are. The ability to get on a call like this for 30 minutes or an hour, um, mm-hmm. it's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really very powerful. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the thing that, things that people are often concerned about when they're starting a podcast is will, will people, one, um, am I going to embarrass myself? But more often than not, the reception is really positive. And people, especially if you're showing up authentically and the people that you have on your podcast are really well aligned with your values and your message. At least in my area, like my niche, we want to get information to people. And so people have been, you know, really receptive. And my podcast is still small. Like I think we just exceeded 23,000 um, downloads. And I've been doing this for two years. And I can tell you, there are like, if you listen to a weight loss podcast and look at their downloads, it is massively greater than that, you know. Um, or, you know, if you look at the podcast download numbers for people who are teaching other people how to make money, for example, the podcast downloads might be huge on that. But the so, so when I'm approaching people, it's not like I'm approaching them with these massive, like my audience is massive. What I am approaching them with and what your listeners who start a podcast will be approaching them with is the opportunity to have authentic conversations that will be listened to by people who really care. And so it's, there's a level of intimacy there with the audience that I, I've, my experience has been that most people who I invite as a guest are, I think it's great. They're like, wow, like a thousand people are going to listen to this uh, this in the first, you know, X number of weeks after we produce it. Wonderful. Like when was the last time I spoke on a stage with that kind of audience, right? So especially, the right, percep- now. <laughs> especially right now. Yeah, exactly. Especially right now. Right now is a great time to start a podcast. But I think, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe your listeners won't be feeling self-conscious about inviting guests or self-conscious about having their own solo episodes and, and thinking, having the per- people perceive that it's small. Um, there's an expression I'm looking for. I can't small potatoes, that it's small potatoes, but actually um, that's, it hasn't been my experience that that's been a big deterrent. Do I want to grow my audience? Of course I do. Um, But I haven't felt, I haven't experienced people thinking that I'm so so small potatoes that it's not worth their time to be a guest. Yeah. And I've had, I reached out to somebody big and was told no by a gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also kind of knew reaching out that it was going to be a slim chance that they were going to say yes, you know, but I, I also, I believe that there's benefit always in taking those risks because Mm -hmm. now, yes, I got to know, you know, but 
I had the experience of what questions they, they asked me. And mm-hmm. so now I kind of know how to prepare for the next one, whether it's the same, you know, A-list celebrity that I reached out to before or a different one. Um, mm-hmm. It gives you experience. And, but, but you're right in that it's more about, we talked a little bit about the ICA, the ideal customer client avatar. You have like the people that listen to your podcast are very specific people. So knowing what makes them unique and then being able to find people that want to reach those people, um, size doesn't matter as much as relevance does. Mm-hmm. So yes, exactly. That's a great way of saying it. Relevance for your audience, you know, relevance to the guests you're reaching out to. Um, and I mean, we could have a whole episode on, on guest outreach, but I would just say, personalizing that communication. There's nothing as a host that I hate more than getting a pitch from somebody Mm -hmm. who clearly doesn't know me, clearly doesn't know my audience, and they're Mm -hmm. just trying to get on as many podcasts as possible. Yeah, it's really really gross. I reached out to Temple Grandin, who is... um, There was a a movie with Claire Danes playing her, um, and she's a prominent... She's prominent in the cattle industry, actually, and she's also prominent in the autism world. She's controversial in her in her views, for sure. But I reached out to her, and she said yes, and I was shocked. You know, sometimes, you know, a lot of the time, if you're reaching out to people who have already made a decision about where they're going to spend their time because they're in such demand that they just can't say yes to all of the things, then you're often going to get a no. But every once in a while, you might get a yes. And just as you were saying... Um, the relevance matters a lot and the learning experience of the process that you'll be put through is, um, is, is really valuable. And I've also found that just reaching out to the people that I do know and asking them who they think should be on the podcast and in asking them to introduce me to those people has been very successful. And, um, and most people are, even if they say no, are flattered. So it's usually not a negative experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I would love if you would share with us where people can connect with you, whether they um, have questions about podcasting or starting a podcast, or if they're just looking for support and guidance with their special needs kiddos. Sure. So my website, which is saying I'm overhauling, so no judgments on my website, folks. Um, progress, not perfection. Done is better than perfect. Um, my website is goodthingsinlife.org. And you can connect to us on social media there. You know, you can email us. You can listen to the podcast. Um, if people have questions specifically, they can email support at goodthingsinlife.org, which is support is just easier for people to spell than my first name. So, um, but you'll, you'll reach me directly and I'd be happy to answer questions and provide any assistance and support that I can. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being here today. I really appreciate the discussion on podcasting and learning about your story and kind of the tools and processes that you use. And I hope that it's made the idea of starting a podcast um, easier and more attainable for, for people who are listening. Because I think for me, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure you agree that it's been a very rewarding process. You know, it's not always easy, um, but it's always been rewarding. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for the opportunity sincerely. And uh, I look, I look forward to sharing the episode with other people. (laughs) Me too. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. 
That's it for this episode of Family Panor. You'll find all the links mentioned and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'll see you over in the Family Preneur community. Bye for now.